Welcome to the Afghan Eye YouTube channel. If this is your first visit, make sure to subscribe and press the notification bell so that you won't miss any of our new videos. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to episode four of season two of the Afghan Eye podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Walid Karkar, and in today's episode, we will once again be focusing on the major news and developments coming out of Afghanistan and the region. In today's episode, we'll be focusing on one principal question. Has China officially recognized the Taliban? If so, it would mark a major breakthrough as far as the Taliban's quest for diplomatic recognition and international acceptance goes. It could also mark a watershed in a world in which the US is no longer the sole superpower in a world increasingly characterized by its multipolarity. Before we dive into today's discussion, however, I'd like to welcome you here. If you are new to the channel, please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and press the notification bar. You can find us on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram, and all major audio streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. I'd like to thank everyone that's tuned in and joined since we launched Season 2, and in particular, I'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you to those that have become patrons of our channel in the past days and weeks. In life, when people show you who they really are, it's best to believe them. And so too, I believe, should be our approach to mainstream media. The ongoing Israeli massacre in Gaza has demonstrated once again that we cannot rely on mainstream media to tell our stories for us. If you believe in our cause, therefore, of Afghans leading and redefining the discussion on Afghanistan, please consider becoming a patron on our Patreon, or you can help us through a one-time donation on PayPal. No man is an island, and the task before us, that of redefining the discussion, is not particularly easy, but it is necessary, and together we can cooperate to create a seismic shift in the ongoing discussion and discourse. Now, with all of that out of the way, we dive into today's discussion, that of the Chinese recognition, or lack thereof, of the Taliban's government. The first thing we have to ask is, what actually happened? What is the basis for this claim that China has or has not recognized the Taliban's government? So, the story is as follows, and this has been reported by numerous outlets, which we will get into. On the 1st of December, just a couple of days ago, the Afghan ambassador to China was formally received by an official at the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs. The Afghan ambassador is Bilal Karimi, and he was received by Hong Lei, who is the head of the protocol department at the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Development has been reported on by numerous outlets over here. For example, I've got the Washington Post, a headline reading that the Taliban's new ambassador arrives in China as Afghanistan's rulers court foreign investment. The Voice of America, VOA, has written, Afghan Taliban says China becomes first nation to accept its ambassador. Now I'm quoting the VOA article here, the Chinese official, the head of the protocol department, Hong Lei, who received the Afghan ambassador, called Kerimi's arrival, quote, an important step in further strengthening and expanding positive relations between Beijing and Kabul. And Hong Lei added, quote, China respects the national sovereignty and the decisions of the people of Afghanistan. It does not interfere in internal Afghan affairs nor has it done so in the past. Now, the ending of that sentence about not interfering in Afghan affairs ever is obviously an underhanded jab 
at the United States. So clearly this is a major development, not just as far as the Taliban are concerned. We've wasted no time in highlighting that this is the first foreign nation to formally accept its ambassador, but also with respect to what's being said by China, especially with the emphasis that China does not interfere in Afghan affairs. Now, of course, given that this is a major development, such a major development seldom takes place without some background or underlying context, the unpacking of which becomes imperative for us to better understand the situation. Some background context that's necessary to understand this is that following the Taliban's takeover of Afghanistan in August 2021, it's had something of a mixed relationship with the embassies and the consulates of the former Afghan government abroad. Some of those embassies and consulates have sought to cooperate with the new government in Kabul in order to allow for the continuation of consular services and things that they're responsible for. However, other consulates and embassies have had an overtly antagonistic relationship toward the Taliban and their government. Those most prominent in opposing the Taliban include the embassies in Tajikistan, as well as in India, the Afghan embassy in New Delhi and other Afghan consulates in different cities of India have emerged as something of a flashpoint and a point of contention over the past weeks. The tensions between the Taliban's Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Kabul and the Afghan embassy and other consulates in different cities of India culminated in a development a couple of days ago. And right now I've got another VOA article here saying the Taliban say Afghan embassy in India set to resume operations soon. In essence, after what has been a pretty lengthy standoff, the Taliban looks set to assume control of the Afghan embassy in India. Now, the Taliban's control is due to the fact that the Afghan embassy, at least under its previous administration, had posted a statement on X saying that the embassy was shutting down and the keys had been given to the host government, i.e. India. And there was pressure from both India and the Taliban that had forced this decision. So this is interesting because the Indian government, it seems, at least according to the former Afghan regime's diplomats, to have facilitated the takeover of the embassy by the Taliban. And a similar thing is alluded to by the Independent here, who've written in their headline that India hands the Taliban the keys to the Afghan embassy in Delhi after months-long power struggle. The Independent also writes that those officials' diplomatic visas in India were expiring and they had no prospect of them being extended by the Indian government. This is the former regime's officials. Now, why is this significant? Well, it's significant for a number of reasons. Number one is the historically antagonistic relationship that has existed between India and the Taliban. The thinking in India primarily centering around the notion that the Taliban are products of and entirely subservient to Pakistan. The escalating tensions with Pakistan over the issue of the TTP, however, will have gone some way toward belying and contradicting that understanding, making it noteworthy that India, at least partly, it seems, has facilitated the takeover of the Afghan embassy in New Delhi by the Taliban, a force to which it was previously strongly opposed. The other point to note here, of course, is that India is the geopolitical rival to China, at least as far as China's neighbours go which is why the current U.S. administration is keen on deepening and widening ties with India. It's inevitable, therefore, that any breakthrough in India's relationship with the Taliban, with whom China shares a border, will not go unnoticed in Beijing. So that was perhaps a minor point, but one that should be borne in mind nonetheless. And now we move on to the evolving 
relationship between the Taliban and China. Now, the Taliban, of course, have had diplomatic relations with China since their takeover of Afghanistan in August 2021. However, that wasn't where diplomatic relations started. In fact, they didn't even start when the Taliban were an insurgency fighting against the American occupation. There were diplomatic relations, albeit at the low level, during the Taliban's first emirate in the late 1990s. Since August 2021, however, whilst China did not recognize the Taliban's government after their takeover, a Chinese ambassador has been present in Kabul, indicating the desire in Beijing to have at least limited engagement with Afghanistan and its new rulers. That hasn't been the only diplomatic activity between China and the Taliban. There have been high-level meetings between Afghan and Chinese ministers, including the Chinese foreign minister meeting Mullah Brader, the Afghan Deputy Prime Minister, as well as the Foreign Minister Mawlawi Amir Khan Mabtaqi, in addition to the Chinese ambassador meeting officials in Kabul. It could be asked, why did China not just recognize the Taliban's takeover in August 2021? I mean, after all, if China is a rival to the USA and the Taliban defeated the US's occupation and took over the country, wouldn't it make natural sense for the two to ally with each other against the US? Well, partly yes and partly no. Well, firstly, from a Taliban perspective, the impulse would be to remain neutral and to not ally with one bloc against the other, but rather to leverage that neutrality to gain the friendship of both. Now, that impulse, of course, is not unique to the Taliban and was characteristic of Afghan governments dating back decades. And from a Chinese perspective, whilst the Taliban did indeed oust the Americans and end their occupation, they're not entirely palatable as allies. Now, one of the major stumbling blocks in any sort of widening or deepening of relations between China and the Taliban relates to the presence, real or alleged, of Uyghur separatists in Afghanistan, specifically the East Turkestan Islamic movement. Now, the response from the Taliban has been pretty standard. It doesn't confirm or deny any such thing, but rather reverts to the one-liner from the Doha Agreement, vowing and assuring that no organization or group would be allowed to use Afghan soil to harm any other country, including its neighbors. As has been evidenced by the escalating tensions between the Taliban and Pakistan over the issue of the TTP, that assurance has not mollified Pakistan entirely, and neither, it seems, has it mollified China. May 2023, a trilateral summer including the Afghan, Pakistani and Chinese foreign ministers was convened in Islamabad, following which a joint statement was issued. Now I have the joint statement here, it's from the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and it is an interesting statement. I'm not going to bore you with all of the details as to what the statement included, but statements and declarations like this are useful in generally engaging the state of affairs as far as diplomatic relations go. So like I said, this was a trilateral summit attended by China, Afghanistan and Pakistan. And it says a couple of things. Firstly, it stresses that a peaceful, stable and prosperous Afghanistan serves the common interests of the region. The three sides agree to coordinate and cooperate on security, organized crime, drug smuggling, etc. It underscored the need to tackle security challenges posing a serious threat to regional and global security. It expressed solidarity with the people of Afghanistan, stressed the importance of sustained and urgent humanitarian support to the people of Afghanistan. But this is the important point to which I alluded. 
And it says here, quote, the three sides stressed on the need of not allowing any individual group or party, including the Tehrik Taliban of Pakistan, the TTP, the East Turkestan Islamic Movement, etc., to use their territories to harm and threaten regional security and interests or conduct terrorist actions and activities. So even though there's a gathering of all of these foreign ministers and they've said a whole host of things with respect to supporting Afghanistan and cultivating ties with Afghanistan, the statement also implies indirectly that the TTP and the ETIM are present in Afghanistan. Whether those two organizations are or are not in Afghanistan is beyond the premise of our discussion today. But it's noteworthy to highlight that both of them are mentioned by name in this declaration. Now, points of contention notwithstanding, there are, of course, overlaps and common interests as far as Chinese-Taliban relations go. On the Taliban side, one thing that has been prominent is the desire to see China invest in Afghanistan, thereby facilitating an economic recovery in Afghanistan and allowing Afghanistan to capitalize on its geographic location to act as a facilitator and a conduit for regional trade. And on the Chinese side, Afghanistan's geographic location and the strategic importance of it is not lost. As I mentioned earlier, the impulse in Kabul, which is not exclusive to the Taliban, but dates back to Afghan government some decades ago, has been to not ally with and be dependent on one bloc against the other. So whilst Kabul is keen to benefit from Chinese investment, it wouldn't want to do so in order to become entirely dependent on China. That's why there's something else to bear in mind here. From September the 1st, 2023, and this went, once again, relatively underreported. And over here, I've got an article from the Associated Press, or AP News. Afghanistan's ruling Taliban government said it signed seven mining contracts Thursday, amounting to $6.5 billion in investment in the biggest such round of deals since seizing power two years ago. The seven contracts are with locally-based companies, many of whom have foreign partners in countries, including China, Iran, and Turkey. The Taliban have been courting foreign investment to revitalize the economy since their takeover. Like previous administrations in Afghanistan, they're pinning their hopes on the country's vast and untapped mineral resources to line the nation's coffers. Logar province, in particular, is believed to hold the world's largest copper deposit. Now, the reason that this was important is that it allowed the Taliban to signify, perhaps inadvertently or subtly, that it wasn't just Chinese investors interested in Afghanistan, but also those from Iran and Turkey. I also read in other articles that UK-based companies were involved in some of these contracts. This goes back to my previous point of highlighting the Afghan governments, probably at this point, as part of a national tradition, keen not to be overly reliant on one bloc or one superpower. It's not just Chinese investors interested in Afghanistan. Turks, Iranians, etc., have also been involved in the signing of these contracts. Sticking to the topic of investment, however, on the 19th of October 2023, the Taliban publicly stated that they were keen to join China's Belt and Road Initiative. So even though the Taliban are keen to attract as much overseas investment as possible from as many countries as possible, they're still making no secret of their desire to become involved in China's Belt and Road Initiative. Why is it important that the Taliban are willing to publicly announce their interest in joining China's Belt and Road Initiative? This could, you may argue, be dismissed as a poverty-stricken, war-torn country's attempt to climb up the economic ladder and reap the rewards 
of Chinese investment. However, it's not so simple, and domestic Afghan sensitivities also need to be borne in mind. You see, China's record and treatment of its Muslim minorities, especially the Uyghurs, has not gone unnoticed in Afghanistan, and it is one of the points of criticism leveled at the Taliban by groups like Daesh. So in publicly announcing a willingness to join Chinese investment initiatives, the Taliban are taking something of a blow to their domestic standing. And that itself signifies how keen the Taliban are for Chinese investment to kickstart the Afghan economy. So those are the different factors at play. We've looked at recent developments with respect to Afghan consular services in India. We've looked at the Chinese relationship with the Taliban historically. We've looked at what's been going on since the Taliban's takeover in 2023. And now we come to the final point of our discussion, the analysis. And we revert back to the question that I posited at the beginning of our discussion. Has China really and truly officially recognized the Taliban government? Now, a prevalent misunderstanding or misconception is that diplomatic or official recognition would be forthcoming when country X announces that it has decided to formally recognize the Taliban. However, in terms of how state-to-state relations pan out, usually what happens is country X sends its ambassador to country Y, and the ambassador is received by the head of government or the head of state. That is usually what happens. Now, as is typical of Afghanistan, codified norms of state-to-state behavior that are accepted internationally do not really apply to Afghanistan. We could see an example of this in September 2023. The newly appointed Chinese ambassador presented his credentials to and was formally received by the Afghan Prime Minister, Mullah Hassan Akhund. That is what normally happens. But coming to the question, did China recognize the Taliban? While the acceptance of the Taliban's ambassador's credentials and his formal reception by a state official would imply that yes, China has accepted the Taliban. But the fact that Bilal Karimi, the Afghan ambassador, was not received by a high-ranking Chinese official is something that seems to have been done deliberately. And now there's a follow-up question. The follow-up question being, if the Chinese government has accepted the Afghan ambassador and received him, why did they stop just short, deliberately, of affording the Afghan ambassador the usual ceremonial reception? Surely it wouldn't have been difficult for the Chinese foreign minister or any high-ranking official to have received the Afghan ambassador. Why did it have to be a relatively lower-level official in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs who heads the protocol department that was tasked with receiving the Afghan ambassador? So whilst the Chinese government is willing to expand and deepen its ties with the Taliban, it's still not willing to go 100% all the way and give the usual ceremonial reception. And that, in turn, would suggest that some stumbling blocks remain, the details of which we can only speculate on, but some of which I alluded to earlier with respect to the presence, real or alleged, of Uyghur separatists in Afghanistan. So we've discussed the bilateral relationship between China and the Taliban. Now, moving domestically within Afghanistan, as I highlighted earlier, China has not escaped unpopularity due to its treatment of its Muslim minorities, most notably the Uyghurs. And the growth of this relationship between China and the Taliban will be used as a point of criticism against the Taliban to suggest that they are not really and truly committed to Islam. As I mentioned, those using this line of argument most prominently will be Daesh. However, there is another way to analyze this in terms of the domestic Afghan discourse. 
One of the arguments used prominently by many Afghans has been that the international community would be willing and amenable to recognizing the Taliban's government if and when they instituted an inclusive and legitimate government. In essence, what's being argued is that international acceptance would be the result of domestic legitimacy. However, whilst this argument may to an extent have its merits, I also view the relationship as being symbiotic. International acceptance and recognition could also reinforce the Taliban's domestic legitimacy. This actually reminds me of a video that was uh, circulating on Twitter uh, a couple of months ago in which a Talib foot soldier is beating a suspected criminal. And the criminal turns around and tells him, and this is why the international community has not recognized you. And what this video highlighted is that the Taliban's lack of international acceptance is actually an argument and a criticism leveled against it from within the country. It is a stain on the Taliban domestically that it was not recognized internationally. And so the acceptance of the Taliban by what is a superpower will go quite some way in bolstering the group's domestic legitimacy among sections of society to which its outreach has thus far been unsuccessful. Regionally, the results of this would be mixed. If we take India, for example, China's main rival, it could be speculated that this breakthrough in diplomatic relations between China and the Taliban will push India to seek closer diplomatic activity with the Taliban. It is highly unlikely that Pakistan will be happy with this breakthrough as its tensions with the Taliban escalate and its attempts to cast the Taliban as a pariah internationally gain momentum. The Afghan Deputy Prime Minister Mullah Pradhan was recently in Iran talking about using Afghanistan as a conduit for growing Iranian and Chinese trade. And internationally, the ramifications of this could be huge. China is, after all, a global superpower, the main rival to the United States. And whilst it has been suggested that international recognition of the Taliban has not been forthcoming due to the fact that different countries don't want to antagonize the US by recognizing the Taliban, that argument doesn't really apply to China. China is a global superpower, and it is not amongst the countries content to take the lead from the US in terms of its diplomacy overseas. China is more than happy to antagonize the US, whether it's in the South China Sea or in other areas. And its decision to expand relations with the Taliban will have been taken purely on the basis of its own interests. Too early to tell what the net effects of this will be in the medium to long term, especially amidst growing uncertainty in an increasingly unstable world order that is becoming increasingly multipolar. And that was episode four of the Afghan Night podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe, comment. And if you are listening to us via audio streaming services, and I know our listeners are growing because I do look at the analytics, you can always help us by leaving a comment or a review on whichever platform you're using. It may take a couple of seconds for you, but it will help us massively in reaching other listeners as we have reached you. Up until next time, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.